Magpakita lang kayo ng meme. Akala nyo na totoo na to? Mismo! Nagpakita ka lang ng meme. Akala mo totoo na yon. Tumingin ka nga sa salamin ni Sir Hector Belter. A theater intermission lasts 10 to 20 minutes, depending on a show's runtime. During the break, you stretch your legs, take a quick trip to the bathroom, scan the playbill, maybe discuss the first act with whoever you're with, and then you go back to your seat, wait for the lights to dim and for the curtains to go up, and for the show to go on. The show, the live show at least, has been on pause at the Philippine Educational Theater Association, or PETA, for more than a year, in what might be the longest theater intermission ever. Obviously, it's been very challenging uh, to be able to continue our work in spite of the pandemic. No, I mean, because the social distancing, uh, that's really the antithesis of what we do, diba? I mean, theater is like public performance. People are coming together. So talagang, it's really hard hit. That's PETA Theater's artistic director, Maribel A. Legarda. And the other voice you'll hear in this episode belongs to Leloy T. Arcete, PETA Theater's head of public relations. In this episode of B-Side, Ms. Legarda and Ms. Arcete speak with Business World reporter Michelle Saliman about PETA Theater's transition to the digital platform and online theater content coexisting with live theater after the pandemic, whenever that is. How would you reflect on how it has been for PETA for the last year, 2020? We've tried to survive it by migrating digitally. We were doing workshops for free. And then later on, we started doing gated, no? so small groups. And then we were also doing our storytelling Sundays, which were children's storytelling program. And then we were also actually producing digital material for other groups like UNFPA, etc. and stuff like that. And then most recently, we had like a festival of our work with our communities as well as new works from PETA Kalinangan and Sam, which we put online also. So that was a three-month festival. So it's basically the main thing is we've been really trying to understand the digital platform and migrate there and bring the work that we can online. Did the team actually already think of going digital even before everything happened last year at around the same time this year? Before, the phase of PETA online was pretty much digital marketing. You know, we really used the space for products and services. But again, because of the pandemic, we are really looking at it in a different way. You know? Parang, how can we really use this to expand maybe our workshops. That has been a conversation before. How can we do um, remote workshops with our community partners all over the Philippines or maybe even do collaborations with partners abroad? Again, it has been in the pipeline, but because we were really so busy doing all, all things PETA, we didn't really think of it as something that's urgent until this time. But as I've said, because of this pandemic, we were really forced to get into it. But now if you look at our pages, it's really beyond the usual marketing space. It's really now a space wherein people can learn. Uh, you go to our YouTube channel, you can watch Storytelling Sundays, and, and that's for families and for young people. And you can also watch some of our shows for free. So that's something interesting as well. How did the actors and also your teachers react to you transitioning online 
Well, of course, initially, no, I think the PETA artist teacher is very resilient. So we needed to go online and we did. And I remember that under a month after the lockdown that we started already our um, LGC, no, yung Let's Get Creative Workshops Online. So game naman yung mga artists. Of course, at the back of their minds and in their hearts, they're always like, we miss live, right? But they are slowly transitioning into this new platform. And though there's a level of insecurity, how do we do this? I think there's also this openness and the kind of like interest to also study how this platform works now in terms of teaching. But I think what they value is the fact that we are also able to still reach our participants who want to learn. And at the same time, we're also evolving and adjusting our curriculums and pedagogies to this new form, right? And there's always something that we can discover there. And I think that's what interests them. It also helped that we had the space. The theater center allowed us to experiment. Of course, originally, during the start of quarantine, because it was really so strict, people were doing it at home. And then for a time, we were starting to relax. Um, we were going to the theater center. So we were able to explore doing workshops with, let's say, a two-cam setup. And we were actually able to offer new workshop courses. Let's say we have now acting for screen that PETA wouldn't have offered before or writing for performance. The pandemic is making us realize a lot of possibilities as well. I mean, there's the business side. No? Parang, of course, the performance is really not able to reach as much compared as to having a theater season. But the experience also allows us to experiment. It has its challenges, even organizationally, you know. Meetings could be long, even if it's just online. It's also more tiring because you are at home and everyone has their own context at home. So there's that, but we really try to adjust as much as possible. And creativity is at the core of our business. So we really have to be creative in terms of how we will deal with this. So I think we've done that so far. Where do you get the feedback from audiences on what type of workshop to offer next? Well, I guess that's the power of social media. There's really a lot of ways you can do it. I mean, you can do it upfront by doing like a small survey or a poll, let's say a Twitter poll. We did that actually. We did the same for Instagram wherein we asked the top three choices in terms of shows to stream. So that's the beauty of social media. You're able to aggregate data. You're able to connect with your audiences or if you really wanted to, you could even hold an FGD with a select group of people from all over the Philippines or all over the globe. So that really allows us to be in the pulse of where our audiences are, what they want, what they need. But of course, it is challenging now when it comes to schools. As you know, PETA, as an educational institution, we really deal with the schools a lot of times because we have a lot of materials that are complementing classroom learning. It's now harder to deal with teachers and deal with the schools, specifically because, again, the online space compared to before that, you know, we can go to the school and discuss whatever work we have. The teachers, as it is, they have, you know, the burden of all these online activities. That remains to be a challenge. But at least for the general public or for our audiences, I think the digital space allows us to be in direct communication with them. And that is probably the reason also why this new classes surfaced because I remember when we did the survey before, one of the classes that really surfaced is script writing. Thus, we had writing for performance workshop or acting for screen because this is a new space. This whole screen, this box is an entirely different experience. So that was, again, a requested workshop. 
And then we evolved the curriculum based on those requests. So it's also interesting how that relationship now informs our programming as a company. Earlier in the lockdown last year, Peta Theater also introduced their YouTube channel. And that's where you stream your shows initially for free. And then now you have evolved to doing the weekend shows via paying for tickets online and watching online. Something similar to the workshops earlier. How did you decide which shows to actually put online for audiences? Actually, the choice of what we're putting out is not necessarily audience-based right now. It's also what the state of our um, documented play is. That's one of the things that's driving that more. One of the things that surfaced during our you know, back and forth with surveys online is that our most recent production, Under My Skin, surfaced as one of the requested materials. So actually, we produced something that fairly recently. You're gonna see it soon, but we produced that during the quarantine, of course, following all the protocols. But we shot the play as part of trying to listen to our audiences and what they need. But primarily, Miss Maribel's quite summed it up. It's really a matter of being practical at the moment, really looking at our archives and what is broadcast quality. There's still that clamor from our audience and we really try to note what is the most requested materials and see if some things can be restored or some things can still be produced maybe in the future, like the case of Under My Skin. How do you plan to eventually move into digitizing the archive of place and material? It's been a long time planned to digitize all the work and organize it. I mean, we used to have a documentation department in PETA's olden days. I guess it takes resources to do that. So like right now, I think we're talking to someone who runs a library somewhere. <laughs> Um, and hopefully make a partnership with putting our stuff there so they digitize it and then they can also access it in their library and stuff like that. We have always had that plan, but I guess there's just always so much to do that gets non-prioritized, but now we know that that was not a good thing to do. But definitely, we will be trying to digitize. And certainly after this, we will be shooting our shows in a much, much better way so that we can use it. Because really, what this has shown us is that there's life after life. You mentioned earlier that you produced and shot something in the theater as new material. Were there any trends that you've seen from abroad that you would like to or are studying to adapt to the theater scene in the Philippines or specifically for PETA, given the restrictions of the quarantine and health protocols? Generally, what does that mean? To be able to produce now, you would have to make really small productions. Or if you notice, that's like one or two actors, no audiences or very few. I think that's one of the things. Right now, we can't financially invest in a play because we're not in a position to do that. 50% is not going to bring back our um, investment. And since we've already had one year of really subsidizing, because remember, we have a staff of people. So... It's really very difficult for PETA to produce new work. That's why we're really trying to generate income from our existing work. If we will produce online and new work, it would really have to be a small cast, the way you see it, but nothing big or whatever. And especially our space is also small. It's not that we haven't thought about it. We may produce one that we're going to shoot, 
but we haven't finalized it yet. So we're, I guess we're also trying to see where the situation is taking us. Because remember, if let's say the vaccines roll out faster, and then hopefully maybe by the last quarter, there can be a real audience and on a, not 50% seating, at least 70 then may engaño pa kami, no? Uh, pero if it keeps on going on like this, I guess we'll definitely go towards producing something that will shoot. Because we can't just go on not doing, at least in the performance, because in terms of our pedagogical and our schoolwork, that really just, that goes on and on, goes on. Every quarter we have a workshop. But in terms of the productions, if it still goes on like this, then definitely we will think of producing a new work for the digital uh, platform. Has the theater already thought of also adjusting the venue with regards to social distancing protocols? We've already adjusted that. We've taken out the chairs or all the protocols for social distancing. So that part is ready. Pero we cannot have a new show at 50% seating because financially we can't afford that. It would never recover the cost of producing it. But I'd rather let people know that our theater is a black box. It's really flexible. So now we've been renting it out as a studio. We've taken out all the chairs and we've actually had shoots there and all that stuff. And you can rent it for your virtual performances, uh, virtual events. And that's the way you can also help PETA because that would really be great if we can rent out our spaces. So if there are groups out there, institutions, corporations who want to do their virtual stuff, you can please get in touch with us. That's really a great way to help PETA and the arts. How do you think things will change once we go back to watching live theater again? And with the advent of digitizing material online, how do you balance which goes live versus what kind of content goes online? I'll talk about audiences quickly. I think it's not a choice of the other. I think it's going to be both. Being in quarantine for a year, I think people are yearning for that live experience. I don't know if people will immediately, you know, jump into being inside the packed theater, maybe not, but slowly and in time, I think that that will still have a space in people's lives, especially after, you know, being so isolated for such a long time. But having said that, of course, now that we understand that there's this digital aspect, there's really an audience outside of our 450-seater. And that goes beyond just Quezon City, goes beyond Metro Manila, goes beyond Luzon. And that's the beauty of it. You know, you can be an OFW in Saudi and you can watch a peta play at your own time anywhere you are. And if you're missing the Philippines, that's something that you can do with your family. So maybe that is really something that we can explore, you know, probably just still getting and inviting and, you know, and enticing our audiences to come back to the theater. Of course, support the theater. That's still the goal. But be global. Recognize that there's an audience much bigger than the live audience in our theater, hopefully. Have your artists also suggested any inputs regarding how to stay creative at a time like this during the lockdowns? I think what our artists are really trying to do is get involved with the stuff, the productions that we're doing or teaching, diba. Right? They stay productive and creative because they're still participating in all our activities of training online. And the time we've shot performances, like participating in storytelling, or remember we had five new works 
in the K-E-pop festival that we held last week. So they were involved in creating new works in the pandemic. So we've actually been very busy and our members have actually already said we're really tired and terrorized already from <laughs> so much work because partly through also studying it, our mode of production also changed. I'd like to say that, you know, if before live, right? But now when we produce, we have to learn about camera, about editing, about sound. And we've had to do that on the job. Though PETA has always had that in its program, our younger members have not been training exactly like that, except for a few whose courses in the university was like that. So it's really interesting. So you know, you're also learning a new way to produce performance on a new platform. New knowledge is always new knowledge. As artists, we're always experimenting and welcoming new ideas. So it's really a bangan of that. Parang, wow, ang daming bagong gagawin. But at the same time, wow, ang daming bagong matututunan. What have you learned from a year into the pandemic and the quarantine? For me, honestly, it's really just be creative. And in being creative, you have to be resourceful. You have to make ways and find the means to do it. Because we have said earlier, it's really a completely new arena. And the training and what's happening is happening together. <laughs> so I think it's really trying to make do with what you have, learning along the way, trying things out, being unafraid to do it, um, doing an experiment, learning from it, evolve it do it better the next time. Nobody knew that there's going to be a pandemic. And while this is a learning experience for PETA, we cannot simply stop and study and you know apply what we have learned when the next pandemic happens. We have to do things now. So I think the beauty of it is that we have remained connected as a company. So the collaboration and the creation, while it's different, it's happening in little boxes, but from marketing digital to the artists, to the teachers, there's always that connection and collaboration and the creative energy is still flowing and I think that's the important part and PETA also as a company has you know really tried to keep us connected just making sure that everybody is okay just checking up on each other and I think that's important as, as we have said we are in the business of live entertainment and the human connection that's really important so I think the collaboration and the creative energy is always important. How would you imagine audiences' reception when we go back to the theater again? Provided all the vaccines are already available. I think people are yearning for that experience, that energy. There's nothing like being inside a packed theater and just feeling the energy of the audience, you know? Even when you watch something that's taped and you hear the audience laughing at the same time, crying at the same time, or singing to the music all at the same time, it's that experience. Eh? And I think we all yearn for that, and we all want that. Hopefully, again, we, we've been trying to say this all along, um, when all of this is sorted out, we are really positive that the Filipino audiences will go back to the theater because there's really nothing like being in a space with other people and having the same experience. So we hope to see everybody again soon. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Leloy Arcete, Head of Public Relations of Peta Theater, and Maribel Lagarda, its Artistic Director, speaking with Business World reporter Michelle Suleiman. Nothing beats a live performance, but in the meantime, streaming content will have to do. One takeaway from this episode is that digital documentation is important. In the context of theater, that means video. 
There's life after live, as Ms. Legarda said, and if you visit Beta's YouTube channel, you can watch a couple of their past productions. No need for intermissions. This B-side episode was recorded remotely on March 5. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>